Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Cameron Norris, and Tom DeAngelis. Welcome one and all. Great Thank to be you, here. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Everybody take a moment. We're in that exciting time of the year, the Advent season, and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. But before we break open the bread of life to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in to uh, help us to see, to hear, and then to respond? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Father Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for the gift of now. Help us to be fully present to you now, to with with each other now. Help us as we go into our day to just to be aware, to be alert. And as you reminded us in the first Sunday of Advent, to be awake, to stay awake for the opportunities that you're putting in front of us to love and to show mercy and to forgive and to bring joy. As we open up the gospel for this coming Sunday, Lord, please fill our hearts with your love, fill our hearts with your understanding and with the courage to live the gospel in every aspect of our lives. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit, Amen. Amen. And Cameron, do you mind giving us a little gospel love? I would love to. Again, this week we're in Matthew 3, verse 1 through 12. John the baptizer appeared, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from your coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones, Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. I circled that word repent. 
there's such an important message. Jesus says that John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ came to this earth for one purpose, to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father was to offer his son as a living sacrifice to set each and every one of us free that we may all have the abundant life. The kingdom of heaven is here and now present amongst us to the extent that Christ is alive in your hearts. Jesus paid the price for your freedom. He wants to give you the abundant life. He's paid the price you couldn't pay. Say your yes, repent, invite the Holy Spirit into your heart to illuminate Those areas of sin that you don't see, pride, unforgiveness, jealousy. Oh my goodness, there's so much judgment. So many of them, we're judgmental. We judge people by what they wear, what they eat. Oops, John the Baptist, he ate honey and and, uh, and locusts and wore uh, camel hair. So no, don't do that. Get set free. Repentance is a true contrition of the heart that makes the acknowledgement that, Father, I've sinned against you. And then receives that incredible grace from God, the incredible grace to set us free so that we have the abundant life. And then it goes with that. When the abundant life, we produce fruit, the works of love that Christ does in us, with us, and through us, which is the evidence that it wasn't just lip service, but it was a true contrition and repentance to be set free by the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Give it to me. That's, that's awesome. So, guys, I'm going to take, take a risk here. So fill in the blanks. This time of year, you'll hear this question often. Are you blank for Christmas? What's the blank? Are you? Prepared. Okay. Excited. All right. What do you think? Are you? Ready. Ready. I was thinking ready. And then, and then I circled the word prepared that... For me, at least, I receive it, and I say it most often, are you ready for Christmas? Or I receive, are you ready for Christmas? And I just circle the word prepared, because I think there's a big difference between ready and prepared. Like, I'm ready with the gifts. I'm ready with the dinner. But am I prepared? Right. Is my heart prepared to receive Jesus? Right? So maybe that's like a little, you know, fun thing we can do with people. Are you ready for Christmas? You say, wow, I'm really trying to get prepared this year in a different way. What do you mean? You know, so it could just be a, a pretty fun conversation yeah. starter about, yeah, I'm ready with the gifts. I'm ready with the dinner. I'm ready with my Christmas cards. I really want to focus on being prepared for Christmas. I think the Holy Spirit really wow. touched you, Rob, because I've never heard that, but you're right. First word that came to my heart is, am I ready? Did I get all the gifts for all the kids, for my wife, for everybody <laughs> I needed to? Is the food ready? Is the house cleaned up? Am I ready for Christmas? But that's not what Christmas is all about. It's preparing the manger of my heart to receive the Christ child. And every day of my life from now in this Advent season, preparing, repenting of my sin, preparing to receive Christ into my heart, in the manger of my heart. That just really flipped me upside down, Rob, because I want to be ready. Wow, write the date down. David Abel <laughs> has been flipped upside down. Hallelujah. Yeah, so man, I think that's really profound for all of our listeners. Stop the insanity. Christmas is about receiving the ultimate gift that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price of love for 
your freedom, our salvation. Prepare your heart, the manger of your heart, to receive the Christ child. And then, like Mary with haste, take the Christ child to those in need. And what does it mean to actually repent? It's a turning back to God. So whatever our distraction is, if, if we can think of God, I'll use this as an illustration, as right in front of us as a single point, anything that takes our natural vision off of that single point that we're looking at, that is something we need to repent from. If our focus is the dinner, the plans, the meals, the presents, all good things, all great things, all things that I think the Father wants us to participate in, but if they take our focus away, that's something to repent from. That is something, repentance being turning back to a singular focus of the Father. Anything that takes our focus off of that, that is something that there needs to be a turning again. Well, right, and that just goes exactly what Scripture teaches us. It uses the word sin. Sin is an archer's term. It's meant that you keep your eye on the bullseye. Right. On that single mark, like Peter, you know, as soon as he looked away from Christ when he was walking on the water, what did he do? He sank. So whenever sins in our life, we're moved off the mark. Whenever we put another God in front of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Father and the Holy Spirit, and that God can be presence for everybody else or busy work or whatever it is. Stop. The most important thing we do, which is the most important commandment that there is, the number one priority in commandments is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, all in for the Lord. Because it's through that relationship, that divine intimacy, that then the gift giving that we're allowed to do in emulation of the reception of the greatest gift, Jesus Christ from the Father, it becomes fruitful. But if we go and just do it, it wears, I don't know about anybody else, it wears me out. I'm wore out. I'm a basket case. But boy, if I just prepare myself Mm. to receive the gift and then allow the Lord Jesus to be the one that actually is the gift giver in me to these people, to my children, my wife, oh my goodness, if I get that first relationship right, keep my eye on the mark, it'll make Christmas totally different. Yeah. A couple, a couple of things I was writing when you guys are sharing. Uh, one is, uh, you know, that single point of focus. I just drew a point on on the paper in front of me, and I had an arrow to that point, and then I just shifted it over a little. So the evil one, especially people that are trying to live their faith, the evil one knows that most likely he's not going to get us to do a one hundred and eighty degree about face and turn our backs squarely to Jesus. Point, right. point 0.1 degree, half a degree, right? A little bit at a time. And a lot of times those things are good stuff, like you're talking about, David, that it's good stuff. We're not out robbing Wawa's or you know, Turkey Hills or you know whatever uh, your convenience store <laughs> choice is, right? We're little one degree off focus. And then it, br- it brought me back when you were sharing about that first commandment. The other night I was trying to convince um, my kids how awesome it is to celebrate Advent. And they're like, Let's put up all the Christmas decorations at once right now. And it's a tough sell, right? It's a tough sell. And, uh, and my one child, I forget who it was, said, it's not a sin to decorate for Christmas, Dad. And I was thinking about that as I was walking around. I said, well, decorating for Christmas is not a sin. But if what we're talking about is being all in, singularly focused on 
loving God with all of our hearts, minds, souls, if that contributes to us not fully living out that commandment, then you know, we might want to check ourselves, right? So again, it's that, like, what is distracting? You know, so that, that, that's Cameron, it's such a beautiful vision, vision, you know, visual illustration, that, that singular point of focus, you know, any little bit. And that's why the examination of conscience is so critical often. Yeah. You know, some, some, I think in the, in the, I don't know, Tom, if you know the Ignatian 30 days, whatever, I, I think oh, yeah, they do like yeah. an hourly, yeah. like a, kind of a check in every hour yeah. that the more often we, we, we ask the Holy Spirit to show us where are we off? Like where has our focus shifted a little bit? Then, then with his grace, we just say, all right, Lord, here I come. I'm coming back. All right. So this is a, a beautiful journey and, and, uh, you know, the, the good stuff around us could Take us off if the good doesn't lead to yeah. the great. I, I think too. I mean that that idea of sin as being um, hitting the bullseye, hitting the target. You know, I've re, I've reflected on that fairly regularly over the years because that that hit me when I was in college. I, I'd heard that, and it's kind of stayed with me. You know, you can you can miss the target completely and then hit the target, and that's a lot better than missing it. But when you're on the target and you're not at the bullseye. You're still close, and I think the point that you're making, Rob, is we're not right smack in the center. We're we're on the target. We're doing good things, you know. We're we're with our family, but we're not right in the, in the bullseye, and that's the difference. And I think the other thing, and this gospel has stayed with me for weeks now. Or years, weeks ago, we did Martha and Mary. I don't know if you remember, but you're talking about turning back to God. And I think one of the things that distracts people or confuses people is that turning back doesn't necessarily mean that we give up everything on the other side. It really, it, it really means like we should turn back to God. And so the Martha and Mary thing, and Jesus says to Martha, you're worried about many things. Only one thing is necessary. It's not that she needed to stop being hospitable. It's that she needed to remember that she was serving Jesus in that, and that what Mary was doing was serving Jesus in her own way. And I think we don't have to walk away from those things. But to your point, David, we need to we need to get back to the bullseye. Like all the things that we do to prepare and all the things that we do um, to, to, to be with people, to spend time with people, but we need to remember what we're doing that for and who we're doing that for and why we're doing that. We need to remember the one thing. We need to remember in the things that we do every day, not stop and spend all of our time in church, but remember the one thing when we're with people and doing the thing, when we're buying the gifts, when we're getting the tree ready, when we're getting the house cleaned up, to remember the one thing, remember who it is that we're, that we're preparing for, you know? You know, and I go back to this, you know, evidence produce good fruit. And Tom, I yeah. drove up to Scranton this week to Monsignor John Essa for my wife and I for spiritual direction for two hours. And I said, Monsignor, you know, one of my greatest sins is I don't put God first in the morning. It's more important for me to read the paper well, than... Yep. To do the Magnificat. It's more important for me to get out there and go than to sit in quiet for 40 minutes and thank you for the gift of the day, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of your life. It's about a 40-minute prayer, but if, but I, I get so caught up in doing good stuff. I'm busy. Oh, right. my goodness. Yeah. I'm a busy man. But and then, so the Lord took me out of mass, mass last week, and said, "David, remember that story of Martha and Mary?" I'm like, yeah, I do. He said, "Well, comes back, David. To you, you played Mary. You played Martha a whole lot more than you played Mary." He said, "What Martha did wasn't bad, but it wasn't the best." What you need to realize is, David, when you sit down with me in the morning, 
and you commune with me, have a common union with me, and you allow me to fill you, guide you, direct you, give you the, the, the nutrients you need to produce good fruit that day, no matter how much you think you could have got done in that hour and a half with me, I guarantee you together we'll produce a whole lot more fruit. And so I'm on day three. <laughs> yep. Yep. But it's okay. It's, it's okay. I'm on day three. I bought the newspapers. I didn't read them yet. <laughs> I didn't turn on the TV this morning when I went down, or yesterday morning when I went downstairs. I, I did my scripture time. I didn't look at the news. So you know what? I'm on day three. I'm going to celebrate that. Yeah. But I will promise you, by the end of each day, I feel like I was much more fruitful. Mm-hmm. It was amazing in the divine appointments. It's amazing what I saw and heard. Because you can be real busy and miss everything God wants to teach you. That's right. And we're called, and we're called to, re, to replace the lies of society with the truth and beauty of our faith. And you know, if you're drawn to news, replacing that with the good news, right? You just, you just use that word, the good news, right? So, so you know, news isn't bad, but if you go into that first without being armed up with the good news, then, you know, we're missing the mark a little bit. So, you know, God redeems everything. So if, if we're drawn to news, let's, let's be drawn first to the good news, and then we'll be able to take the kingdom perspective into all the articles that we read and, and, and pray into them a little more. Right? And when we read the newspaper, I think it's an amazing opportunity to pray. Yeah, right. It we is. just we just pray for Hallelujah. the situations. We've seen the, the past, right. the yeah. families, right. the, those of yeah. lost loved ones. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So, <clears throat> I'm going to quote here. This is from the reading: "Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance." So, I'm going to read it a different way: "Produce good fruit as evidence of your turning back to God." How many times do you see a branch of a tree saying, "I want to produce"? Fruit, I want to produce fruit, I want to produce... You, you don't see it. What the, what the branch does is it abides. I'm the vine, you are the branches. How, how is the branch going to show fruit? By trying as hard as it possibly can? Or what you just mm. said, your 45-minute time of abiding, yes. him and you, you and him, mm. that's where the fruit comes out of. We, we want the fruit, but the fruit is not from our striving. The fruits from our abiding. Wow. Well, and I don't know if anyone out there is a uh, either has a vineyard, which the Lord has blessed me with one, or has fruit trees, which the Lord has blessed me with many. <laughs> you got them to realize that if you don't prune them, they look fabulous, right? But they don't produce fruit. You know why? Because the tree and the vine, it's all about them. They cling to everything of the wire and the post, other vines. They suck up all the nutrients from the sun, from the earth, the living water. They suck it all up, and it's all about them. But when we allow God the Father during that hour, hour and a half time with him, you know, Jesus said, can't you give me at least an hour? The garden is Gethsemane. Well, that's for us. When we give the, the Lord that hour to do the pruning that's necessary, it's in that pruning that we then become fruitful throughout that day. It's a daily journey because otherwise, I don't know about anybody else, it becomes about me. It's all about me. And so for me, Lord, prune what you need to prune. And I want to quote another little scripture verse here out of what our reading was. Do not presume to say for yourselves, we are Catholic. 
We are evangelical Christians. We are Methodists. We are Presbyterians. We are, we are Mennonite. We're Amish. <laughs> and it says, for I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. If you think the fact that you're Catholic, if you're evangelical Christian, Methodist, uh, Presbyterian, Amish, Mennonite, doesn't matter. If you think that means you're good to go, eh, wrong answer. The Lord <laughs> says it right here. That's right. You know, it's about a daily choice to be in a relationship that starts as a personal one with Jesus Christ and then grows into a divine intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a daily choice. Don't dare claim that because you have a label of a religion on you, you're good to go. Eh. Excuse me, they're right up here. Pharisees and Sadducees both had labels. And Jesus says, uh, what? You brood of vipers. Hopefully he's not going to call us that, but you brood of vipers because these guys didn't get it. Yeah, They knew all the words, but it never made it to their hearts. You see, because when it makes it to your heart, and Jesus, then it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, then you become fruitful with the works of love. <clears throat> and that's where the gospel of James is so important, or the, the scripture verses from James are so important. Faith without works is dead. If you just have lip service, even Satan knows and acknowledges Jesus Christ is God, but he's not saved. So if you just have lip service without the works of love, it's fruitless. If you just think you're going to go work your way into heaven, eh, that ain't going to happen either. It's faith which is evidenced by the works of love, which is exactly what's said right here. That's wow, right. That's beautiful. Hey, I, I just jotting down a few few thoughts just in recent uh, recent times. So Thanksgiving night or afternoon, um, you had mentioned, can you not stay with me for an hour? Uh, we had to be where we were having dinner at my mother-in-law's house at 4.30. And I said, all right, guys, uh, or at 3.30, I said, all right, guys, at 2.30, we're, we're going to leave and we're going to stop at adoration. And we're just going to thank God for, for the day and to spend some time. And, and my one daughter's like, that's an hour. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want us to stay with him for an hour, does he? I said, wait a minute. I said, we're leaving at 2.30. So we have to drive from our house to the chapel, have a visit, drive from the chapel to the Mom's house. So we're not going to be with Jesus for an hour. It's an hour round trip from our house, including adoration to get. And I said, by the way, Jesus' three best friends, when they fell asleep on him in the garden, he asked them, couldn't you hang out with me for an hour? Yeah. And then she pushed back. She goes, well, Thanksgiving, is, it's just a holiday, right? It's just like a national holiday. So it just re- reminded me that, the, the, that we're bombarded with just the secularization of everything, right? I said, well, but what do you mean it's a holiday? Like, we're, we're, it's Thanksgiving. Like, we're thanking. Who are we thanking? Like, what are we thanking for? It's, it's, it all goes back to God. Um, so even in our own homes, when we feel like we understand and are – you know, on the path, whatever that means, our kids, our grandkids, all of us are still just constantly being bombarded. You know, it's a holiday. It's a day off. It's a, and if it stops there, then that's, we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. So we end up going to adoration. Uh, our youngest hadn't been home yet. So it was, it was me and four of the kids. We had the greatest time. We walked in, no one was in the chapel. Jesus was by himself. Guys, look at this. And without even saying it, they all picked their own pew in this little chapel. And we just had some quiet time with the Lord. 
And then I went to each one of them and just while we were in front of Jesus, I put my arm around them, gave them a kiss. And I said, I am so thankful for you. And I said, Jesus, I am thankful. Thank you for, for blessing me with Grace, blessing me with Robbie, blessing me with Thomas, blessing me with Mary. I went to each of them one-on-one, put my arm around them and, and thanked God for the blessing that, that each of them are in my life. Precious. It was beautiful. It was so, absolutely a You gift. know what, Rob? You just reminded me, we forgot our story. It is a holiday. But holiday is two words that are combined, holy day, because it is a holy day. Why? We go back to our first president, George Washington. George Washington proclaimed Thanksgiving as a day to be observed to thank God for everything that he did in our country. That's right. And then Abraham Lincoln comes along and makes it a federal holiday. So let us not forget our story and go, and I would encourage you, Google the prayer that George Washington Mm. prayed. It's what I read to all of our children on Thanksgiving Mm. Day, which proclaimed the truth of this nation. Wait, and it was proclaimed by both the Senate and the Congress. They asked him to do it, to proclaim God and the gifts he's given us and to thank Mm. him. Go read that prayer. We And I told my, our children this. I said, we are founded one nation under God, not over God. I said, this whole nonsense of separation of church and state is found nowhere in the United States Constitution. It was a letter written by Thomas Jefferson to a Baptist minister in New England states that just had to do with, with, with about faith, but not about separation of church and faith. Take the Bible out. That's nonsense. It's not a truth. We need to proclaim the truth. The truth of our nation was founded on religious freedom, not freedom from religion. That George Washington set in motion Thanksgiving because guess what? They want to change the name. Who wants to change the name Thanksgiving? They want to rename it. Why? Because the enemy of our souls doesn't want anybody thanking God because he, in his pride, fell from heaven because of his choice. I will not serve. So we need to get loud voices, know our story, share our story of what this nation was founded on. Ladies and gentlemen, this Advent season, I'm inviting each and every one of you to be the lights in the world that God created you to be, to draw people to Jesus Christ and to let them experience Him in the manger of your heart, that they come to meet Him in you. You were called to be a world changer. You were created in the image and likeness of God to draw people unto the Father. It's through Jesus that we have access to the Father. Guess what? That's the Jesus in you. God bless each and every one of you. Let's go be the world changers he created us to be. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717 367 0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make reflections from the heart possible. 
If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.